Coming up on this episode of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast, we have our award show. Plus, we have very special guests, Mari Mansinen and Tero Tunella. That's all coming up on this episode of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast. <laughs> Welcome to episode 35 of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast. I'm your host, Ian Albert, and joining me as ever is our resident coach and guru on all things Pess Apollo. It's Mikko Pirhonen. Mikko, how are you doing? Uh, good. A uh, bit of a transition period between the Pess Apollo season and other sports, but still my the... All of the things that have happened recently are still fresh enough in the mind. So, is it is it to talk about the game? But yeah, all good. And he's back with us. He's not done celebrating yet. It's Ron Bronson, my friend from across the pond. So, Ron, how are you doing? Good to see you. Hangover's over. I'm back now. Just <laughs> a minute, I was on that long championship bender, and I've arrived. It's great to see your faces. Well, it's been a, a great season, and you know, I've enjoyed doing all the podcasts yet again this year. This is going to be our last episode before we take a break over the winter. Um, rather than going into all the signings, which we cover anyway, just before the start of the the season next year, there is just one item in the news I want to talk about before we actually get on to um, the finals themselves, and that was uh, the... MLB Europe video that uh, came out very recently, which um, incredible little insight into um, Pesopalo, which uh, you guys will know I've had a, a little hand in trying to support and, and move along uh, during the course of the year. Uh, so I'm, I'm really pleased to see that. Um, Miko, did you catch the video? What did you think? Yeah, I think that it was uh, probably the first uh real attempt to get anything like uh how should i put it uh, essential about the game out because we have done some previous like high quality videos that were just like one minute flashes where nobody explained anything and there's just one odd youtube video made by a foreigner like uh, somebody who has just seen the game a couple of times and made a brief like video of the rules and stuff like that but i think that this was a good good promotion for the game and uh, if i would be somebody just uh outside of the sport but interested in bat and ball sports i would be intrigued to like dig a little deeper so that's like that's there was a catch there. Well, we often see the novelty of Pesapala being um, rolled out for an American audience now and then, Ron, and, and 
we often comment about that but did you catch the video what did you think obviously um <laughs> many channels i think that the thing that separates this i did comment that this is like every year it's like oh look they play baseball in finland like they do every year <laughs> it's exactly the same comments and exactly the same stuff what was nice about this was is that of course our buddy, you know, Auntie uh, Hapasala, of course, was was involved in this as well, and did this with the voiceovers. And so, like, getting a guy like that who's connected to the game who speaks English well. Um, but also, the biggest part of this is that this was Major League Baseball. Yes, MLB Europe, but this is Major League Baseball. So having the the first time that MLB as, a, as an entity has acknowledged Pesapalo as this other thing, even though the sports are quite different, conceptually similar. Um, and so having that that unification and, and that acknowledgement from MLB that, hey, this is a thing that's happening over here. You should take a look at this. Um, obviously, the co comments and that visibility is huge for the sports. thing we've needed for a long time in, in, in our game. I'm calling it our game, the finished game. And, and so I think that's really, really great. I'm really glad that it happened. Obviously, any visibility for the sport, especially like that, is great. Um, and to Miko's point, they did make a mockery of the game. They just like, you know. Fins in their own words, basically explaining what's going on, which I think is the best way to do it. So super jazzed, looking forward to, um, you know, maybe now we'll be one step closer to our Pace Apollo game in America by 2025, my real goal. <laughs> well, I'd love to see that. I think it'd be excellent. Um, so moving on now to our review of the finals, um, the men's final, first of all, um, wasn't to be for Munzer. In the end, it was Vimpley all the way. Um, who'd have thought that in uh, the very early days of 2022? Well, when we got to the season, it started to look pretty obvious that Vimpley had this in the bag. And by the end, nobody was left in doubt. The team just seemed to be firing on all cylinders. Every single player did an amazing job this season. And that's what stands out for me. Um, Miko, what was your thoughts? Well, the one thing that actually stands out for me are uh, two things. Uh, first of all, the young young guys who like stepped up and took a big role and took big, big stride forward to become like numbers one and two in uh, the pitcher and stuff like that. He was not young, but he came from a, like a lower team and, and so on. And, uh, but, but the level of consistency, that was, that was the thing that like going through the whole season undefeated at home, that's like, that's unheard of. Like, and you can do that with a team that was like, well, well, one out of five possible championship candidates, but they were actually ranked number five before the season. And then they went the whole season undefeated at home. So that's as it all. End of. And Ron, of course, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Now that the finals are over, what did you make of the uh, the championship year from Vimpoli? I mean, it's the kind of thing as a fan of the, of the sport, but also a fan of the team. I mean, obviously, if you go back to my earlier comments, obviously there are a lot of open questions about this team and who's going to step up and how the pitching is going to be. Um, but for them to continue to just keep winning, like I don't think I realized they were undefeated until like July. I was like, oh, wait, we haven't actually lost the game. Oh, wild. Um, 
you know, when we lost, they were, you know, like you said, they're on the road. I mean, just to play that, to have just everything about the season. I mean, let's talk about the see the game manager, how he managed that roster. I mean, that was a job, like such an impressive effort by that entire squad. Yes, those young guys stepping up. What an interesting thing about Petr Ruska leaving, obviously a big presence on the team from 15 years old to, to leaving last year at the end of the last season. And having Vimpoli is a place where young players develop, period. Like it shows you that it's not just him. Like we develop young guys. Obviously, older guys can come there and reinvent their careers, which is a thing that happened in 2010 and it happened this year again. Um, and so I just think what a what a really cool story. And hopefully for for players of the sport, as a fan of the game, obviously a fan of the team rather, hoping that in the future that guys will see this and be like, oh, okay, I'm in this weird spot, but I want to level up. I'm going to go play in Vimpoli because, but also developing young players. I just think it's such a, I'm speechless really at the season. And like it was, a, it was a fever dream. I can't believe it happened. And I can't believe it happened, how it happened, the way they did it, the way they played. The last couple of years, Vimpoli's story has been coming close in games and losing, finding ways to, to win the first set, but losing the second Yaxo or vice versa, you know, playing those crazy 15, 14 games and so forth. This year is none of that. So I'm astounded. I'm really, really impressed. But like I said, all shout to the entire organization, to the management for their work all year. That was a stellar job. I don't think we'll see anything like that again for a long time. Like that was, that was astounding. Yeah. Just one thing to add out that, I don't see any reason why this team would actually even have reached their peak yet. I mean, nothing speaks for that. I'm, I mean, they they, sp- they played a season that we may not see another one like that. But when we take a look at the age structure of the team uh, in total, like uh, excluding Janne Makela from the equation, like they, these guys can go on for five, six years, and they have raised the bar. I mean, that's like uh, uh, for for the rest of the pack, they they need to step off their game. Mm-hmm. Well, we've seen other teams starting to decline a little. Uh, Sotokamo this year got knocked out in the first round. Um, Jones, who've had a very difficult couple of years. Um, Govala seemed to drop off in the second half of the season, and again they were knocked out um, in the first round by um, Huvinkar. So, yeah, it's it's a little worrying how the rest of the pack seems to be getting further away from from Vimpoli. I mean, it's it's great for Vimpoli, but if you want to see closer games, perhaps maybe not so much. But it was an incredible season. We may not see another like it. Mikko, like you say, there's no reason why we can't see another one like it from them. This is a team that, like you say, they may not have even reached their peak yet. Um, so it's it's been incredible to watch. And um, yeah, I'll wait and see what the future holds for them. So um, turning away from the men's final, um, now going to play an interview I had with um, Taro Tunela from uh, Senioki. Uh, about the quite challenging season that they they had um, and how they managed to pull off the impossible and escape not only relegation, but avoid potentially losing their license for next year. Joining me now on the podcast is a player who's grown up and played in Senioki for virtually all of his career. He even saw the transition from Senior and Maila to 
Sanyuan Yumi Yusid, with merging uh, with Nurman Yumi. He debuted in Super Pesis in 2014 and has recently announced that he'll be leaving Sanyuan Yumi Yusid uh, as of the end of this season. I have with me Tero Dunella. Tero, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Glad, I'm glad to be here. I, I haven't spoken English in quite a while, so this is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm going to ask you a question, first of all, that isn't Pesapolo related. Um, a lot of people often ask me how I got into Pesapolo, uh, living in the UK, as I do. Uh, but I have it on some information from friends and, and other uh, colleagues that you're actually a Liverpool FC fan. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Yes. <laughs> uh, one of the things people ask me is, is how people pick teams, especially when they're um, far away from uh, the place or the country uh, in the sport that they're supporting. So uh, how did you become a Liverpool fan? Uh, well, I think the main reasons are the two Finnish guys who played there, uh, Jari Litmanen and Sami Hyppiä. Uh, when I was a kid, I always had a Jari Litmanen or Sami Hyppiä kit on whenever I went. I think it was 24-7 I had Litmanen's Ajax kit or Hyppiä's Liverpool kit. So when Litmanen joined uh, Liverpool, and was it 2001 or 2002 or maybe even later? Uh, it was a dream come true for me because the two Finnish heroes were in the same team. So that what I think those are the main reasons why I'm a Liverpool fan. And of course, Sami was the captain of the team. So that was huge here in Finland and they broadcasted the games. And every time Liverpool played, the sports news had Sami Hyppiä highlights. So it was a huge impact for a young kid in Finland. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose now, if people growing up, they might uh, become Norwich fans. Um, but there we are with uh, Temapuki. So, uh, Sainioki is often described as a, a major city or, or region for uh, Pesapalo. What was it like growing up in uh, Sainioki? Uh It was great. I had a great ch childhood here. I, the city had success in Pesapalo with Mileus. It was obviously in the late 90s, uh, eight, late 80s, they had great success with Mileus. And uh, I started playing in the late 90s, early 2000s. So I had um, great role models to look up to. Uh, also, I think I have Pesapalo in my blood because uh, my granddad Valto was a junior coach in Mailajussit, almost every star player that played in Mailajussit during the 80s and 90s, they were the products of, of his uh, <laughs> his coaching. And obviously my uncles, Pasi and Jari played, played and had uh, coaching careers in Superpesis. And basically everyone in my family has something to do with Mailajussit or Pesapallo in general. So yeah, it was it was great time to grow up in Seinäjoki. It's interesting how many people uh, I speak to who have this kind of um, family history with the sport. And it's always fascinating for me to hear um, through the generations how, how that changes or how people grow with that. Um, at the top of the, the interview, I mentioned a little bit about your career that you've had so far. 
Um, but what has been your favourite moments that you've had? Mm. It's it's hard to say one one thing. Maybe I think one that comes to mind is my first game in Super Pesis back in 2014. I I don't usually get nervous when Pesapallo is uh, uh, on the topic, but that time I did. It was very nerve-wracking to play the first games, and I think uh, it was against Pattioki, and so I had Topi Kosonen and all these uh, great players against in the first game already, so it, it was a little bit nerve-wracking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, maybe this is something more comes to mind uh my home run was the or my home run resulted in the first uh, medal for umius city it was the apoyat or under 21s uh bronze medal in back in 2014 that's that was also a good memory now in terms of uh how the team has been doing in the last couple of years obviously yuka pekavani has been a, a power hitter and he left at the end of the season last year. Um, he'd had four home runs and 78 RBIs uh, in the 2021 season. How did you prepare for the start of this year's season without that big hitter? Oh, well, obviously, Jukis was huge for us and he is the best hitter in the world. No doubt about it. I think he will be the best ever to hit a baseball. Uh, uh, so it was unreasonable, unreasonable to think that any player who comes in uh, can just do the same numbers as Yuki. So we had to think about as a team how can how can we all chip in to those runs that are missed now that Yuki isn't anymore with us. So uh, for example, uh, during practices, everyone practiced how to hit a run, even if you're a runner or or I don't know what is the term in English, if you are a vaihtaja. Everyone just had to learn how to hit a run. Uh, and what, like, what is your best way to hit a run? Is it a pystymaila? Is it kumura? And we th- uh, th- thought about this a lot. And during practices, we did it. Uh, we had these co- little competitions between us that we split the team in half and try to hit a run, everyone. And it was this kind of a competition between us, and it was fierce, let's just say that. <laughs> Despite how uh, how much effort it seemed that the team was putting in at the very start of the regular season, um, Yumi Yusit found themselves at the very bottom end. Uh, how did it feel when you were still at the bottom end of the, the table, um, I mean, you obviously turned it around from late July onwards, but at the start of the season, how how was that? Uh, how was that affecting you and the team? Uh, it was a mixed feeling. Obviously, we were gutted that we were losing all the time, but uh, uh, and I think that was that was the result that we knew that we were better than the results were that we can play better Pesapallo than we were showing, um, but. Why I said it was mixed is it was strange that even though we were losing, uh, we didn't get frustrated at all. Uh, I was just talking uh, talking about it to our third coach, Juho Luoma, who was our uh, 
video guy behind the scenes and did all this anal analysis about uh, the opponents and stuff. Like, it was so strange that we just kept losing, but we were always like focused on the next game and we were like, okay, so we lost. We can't take that back anymore. We have to look forward now. And yeah, it was it was mixed feelings in the beginning of the season, for sure. Hmm. Well, I was looking back at the statistics, and in fact, on the podcast earlier on in the season, I was talking about how how close Yumius had actually came to winning, or, or at least taking points away from some very important games and some very big names. Um, Yumius had more tied Yaxo than any other team in uh, 2022. Again, teams like Mansa, Darko, Sotgamo, uh, and Yoansu. So. You know, these are these big names, big teams with, you know, um, good results uh, behind them and in front of them. If if Yamiya had only managed to get one more run in those Yakso, then you would have been taking points away, even if it wasn't every time. Did you feel that kind of impact during the season, coming so close so often against some of these big teams and, and not quite making it yeah we, we were close many times and i don't usually look back and play the what if game i don't like that very much so for example if we during one yak so we came tied with the runs or just um yeah if we tied the runs you oh, first thing you think uh, one run we only re needed one run but the hitting a one run is uh it has so many levels to it. Someone has to get to the first base, then you have to get him to the second, the third, and so much can happen between those those uh, situations. So, uh, yeah, we tied a lot of Yakso during the season. Uh, what does it say? This, it said that we have quality in the team, and during that day, we give the better or the front runners those teams we got gave a run for their money so yeah it, i think when we tied those yaksos during the season it just gave us more ho uh, more hope and more belief to the future for the season and i think that was the main reason why we could turn it around in the july well i was uh, i was really impressed to see that from the 19th of july you scored 19 points from the last 11 games in the regular season compared to only seven points up until that point. It was a phenomenal turnaround for the team. And OK, you had some uh, more favourable games like against Kankampa coming up in the second half of the season. But you actually were, were playing much better, much stronger and against big teams as well. You had um, a point against Vimpoli as well, um, which virtually nobody was getting a point against Vimpley at that point in the regular season. What was it you think that changed within the team in July? Um, well, what can I, I remember? We had a team meeting. S someone could use the phrase emergency meeting before the, <laughs> before the home game against Kangampa. And uh, the team meeting was that we looked back on the season so far and we were brutally honest to ourselves and to each other what what had happened what 
what do we want from the rest of the season? Um, how are we going to do it? What, have, what has to change? What do we have to do still keep the same momentum going? And on top of that, our uh, manager Jussi Parvi showed um, like statistics that uh, about the teams that were just uh, above us, for example, IPV, uh, Kossu, Rahe, that they had played against each other more than we had played against those teams. So they had more opportunities to gather points before us. So as you said, the, the second half of the, um, the season was a little bit more favorable to us because we had played against Manse multiple times, Kempele multiple times, Vimpeli, Tahko, Joensuu. We had all these tough, tough, tough games before the second half of the season. So yeah, in that sense, the, the table was more favorable for us uh, at the at the later stages of the uh, regular season. But yeah, it was the it was the team meeting and we had long talk. I think it it lasted something like three or four hours when we just started talking about everything that has happened and what we want and stuff like that. So yeah, I think it was the it was the meeting. Well, it was an incredible um, turnaround and you really took your own destiny in your own hands, I like to think, as a team. You really decided, right, we're going to go for it. We're going to get ourselves out of trouble here. And, and you did. You finished ninth, which was a fantastic finish. Um, most people had written um, Yumiya Sidoff uh, halfway through the season and said, well, there we are, there. Don't want them to be down there, but there they are. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an incredible turnaround. So that's that's really interesting to hear. In fact, it's probably um, one of the key questions I've been wanting to ask all season. Again, uh, from everybody I've interviewed, I'd really wanted to know what had happened there. Um, so that, that season's now behind us. At the top of the interview, I mentioned that you've now announced that you'll be separating from the club and, and moving on. What's next in your career? Where are you going now? What's happening? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I had 10 great years in U-Music and uh, I'm grateful that I got the opportunity to grow to a super basis player in my hometown and on top of that also be the captain of my hometown team. That was a dream come true for me. Uh, but all, all got good things must come to an end at some point and I think it now was the time to seek new challenges somewhere else. And uh, yeah, I have, I have had some ne negotiations thus far, but nothing is set in stone yet. And yeah, let's let's see what kind of uh, project I will get into and give my all. <laughs> yeah, this, this part of the season now tends to be quite a busy point where everybody's scrambling to try and find players who are willing to either travel uh, first of all, to play for them, or, or whether they can um, somehow coax somebody over in some other way. Um, well, Taro, thank you very much for joining me uh, for this interview. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you, and I wish you all the best of luck wherever you end up uh, for the coming season and years. Thank you. This was a fun experience.
Okay, so welcome back. Um, after that interview, now we're moving on to the women's uh, finals. And it was close, but no cigar again for Mansa, um, as Kiritaret uh, managed to win the championship uh, three games to one. Um, quite a dramatic series at, at times. And for once, Kiritaret weren't the favourites going into it. But they soon became the favourites um, after they managed to find a way to completely shut down that Mansa offence. Um, Mika, what did you make of the women's final? The best team won. Uh, I mean, there was a young game manager who stepped up. Uh, he had to take the role two years before it was meant to be. But they were the better team. I mean, they grew up as the season uh, progressed and uh, in the finals. And they were not like smashing Monza, but they were the better team. So it was like when when push came to shop, they were they, just, they just made the plays. And that's like, yeah, nothing more to say about it. Yeah, it was like watching the return of the the old Kiritaret, <laughs> if yeah. I can put it that way. Um, they found their life back, you know, uh, after having a challenging start to the season. I mean, we talked about it being a bit uh, a bit quiet from then, um, but they overcame their their problems, and of course, a disappointing end for Mansa um, not to to pick up the championship, especially with uh, Seriescola's uh, incredible season. Uh, Ron, what did you make of the women's final? Look, Kidderette are the team I love to hate, but I love them because they're so damn good. Um, and so you don't, oh, geez, sorry, there's construction happening and I can't fix it. They do this all they do it randomly. <laughs> Anyways, um, I, I was really impressed by them. Not surprised in any way that they pulled it off. That team is just, you don't bet against them. I will say this. Uh, I think that Siri Escola obviously had an amazing year, but the rest of that team really needed to step up and didn't. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not a one-person game. And I think Kiritaret found the perfect way to cut that team down to size and, and do what they do best. Um it was, yeah, like I say, watching <laughs> watching them like it was the other year. Um, but there we are. So, yeah, uh, uh, just just one quick addition to that <clears throat> is that, like I mentioned previously, that if we take both men's and women's superpasses, and if I would have to take one player from the previous, like, 10-year period who would be like the most important player for the team and who would like especially well not just on the outfield but uh well when i was a game manager of a team that played against Kiritaret, when i watched the tape like all over and over again and when i saw them play live then i realized how good a player emma Gurke than Nieminen, but nowadays Gurke is and especially now, like uh, when she announced that this will be her last year, and she like 
last year also came out saying that okay as an athlete i can also say that okay now i'm bit of a like having a bit of a burnout and stuff like that and started to speak about those things and that like started the snowball also so she has done so much for the game both on and off the field and is like an amazing person and so i thought that uh, of course monse has had also like amazing people who also uh, ended their careers but like uh, uh, just phrase my hat for Emma Gurke who is like yeah a generational talent for me mm. well let's be honest um, Emma Gurke is one of the key reasons why the game the women's game has become more popular um, so it's it's not just the face of the, the club or, or um, part of the sport but across the gender barrier as well so it's been an incredible career from her and what a what a great way to finish um love to see her back out there in the future but of course if this is her last season what a great way to end it well earlier on today i uh, caught up with uh, mari manson and uh, the pitcher from kiritret so uh, we'll uh, play that interview now Joining me now on the podcast is a very special guest indeed. Um, she's just completed her fourth championship win as the star, uh, really, of the team, the pitcher, no less, Mary Mansonen. Thank you very much uh, for joining me. Hi, and thank you for inviting me. <laughs> so I wanted to ask, first of all, how it all started. So how did you first start playing Pesapolo? Uh, I think uh, I was in primary school, maybe a second grade, and my classmate asked me if I wanted to come to baseball practices, and <clears throat> then I went to practice, and <laughs> now I play <laughs> pesapallo. Uh, and actually, the coach said when I go to the first uh practice is that we don't have a pitcher, so you are our pitcher. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, it's a role that you've um, you've played very, very well uh, in your career so far, and continue uh, to play well as we've seen in the the finals. Um, but what is your favourite moment in your career so far? It is very hard to say what is the one favourite moment. But uh, when I was a junior, we didn't win anything. <laughs> so uh, when I was when I was a B junior we uh, reached to the final at the first time and it was then I remember it was a big thing all of our team and then we lost the finals but the, <laughs> uh, but the moment when you first time go to the final it was uh, very uh, memorable and also every championships has been a great journey and yeah, <laughs> I think that they they are my favorite moments. Well, last year, of course, um, Kiritaret lost in the finals to um, Puri. Uh, what was the impact on the team? Because of going into the season, a lot of um, people in the media said that Kiritaret were sure favorites to win. 
before last year, we had won three championships in a row. So we know what what we have to do that we will win. And I think that there was an impact in our team that every everyone else says that we we were uh, favorites. So I don't think that wasn't that it was the reason why we didn't win last year. We then know that obviously the team had a very difficult um, winter and there were a lot of uh, changes behind the scenes, in particular with game management. What was the aim for the team before the start of the season? Mm, Our goal was to win a championship all the time. And there was a lot of challenges, but we talk about those with the team and all of the time we believe it that we have still the chance to win if we play the best games and end of the season. So I think that was the reason why we could uh, could win this this season. Hmm. I was going to say it must have been very difficult. Um, basically, the, the the team sort of coming a little bit afresh and having to overcome all of those challenges. And um, my uh, co-host and I often talked about how quite quiet the team were at the start of the season and certainly in the Harley SM uh, games. Uh, but obviously, we know that the team grew and grew, uh, as we know you can do through, throughout the year. And you did an absolutely fantastic job at stopping Mansa's batters scoring runs in the final. Now, this is a team that seemed to have the better of everybody throughout the regular season. Um, how did it feel uh, playing against the team with, with that level of offence in, in the league? Uh, the runners were very fast. And like you said, they had a couple of really good batters. So I knew that I had to play the best games of the season. And I really check it out <laughs> every piece of the game and was uh, very prepared before the final started. Because mm. uh, being a pitcher, there's a lot of responsibility placed on your shoulders in terms of um, defence, isn't it? So, um, yeah, an incredible job well done. Clearly all the homework um, paid off. Um during the finals, though, we did see some unsporting behaviour from Mansa's game manager. And of course, you were right, right there when this took place. And it was it was basically aimed at you in, in many ways. How do you think that affected you? Did it make you feel more determined to win or, uh, or, or have a negative impact on you at all? Uh, first of all, I didn't see the situation very well, and all I saw it was the cards, <laughs> and so I don't think there was any effect to me or my team. Uh, we knew that we could win any case, so we just thought what we have to do, the what we have to do that we win, and only focus on our game. Well, whenever I've spoken with, with pitchers before, they've always told me how 
difficult a place it is to be surrounded by the batting team, the game managers. It can be quite um, an intense place. So um, you manage to stay pretty level-headed and and, uh, stay focused on the game. Siri Ascola, of course, had an amazing season this year. Um, A former Kiritaret player, of course, and teammate of yours, do you think that you had a little bit of an advantage uh, against her, obviously having trained alongside her for quite some time now? Yeah, maybe something. <laughs> uh, I I have been pitching her to practice so many times, so I know what kind of pitch, pitches she doesn't like. Yeah. And <laughs> But also our team played very well against, against her. It wasn't only my that I was good against her but also our other team was very good. Yeah, because during the regular season, and of course it's against all the other teams, um, Siri was scoring on average about 4.2 runs batted in per game, which is a a ridiculous number. But um, in the final series, that was cut right down to just over one. So a real bonus for for you and the team defensively there. do you think there were other ways that the team managed to stop her scoring runs? I don't know. Can I say one reason or so? I don't know. <laughs> Hard to say. <laughs> Just the way that it went on the day. Yeah. Well, it was obviously um, a final year for Emma Kirka uh, um, as well a huge part of the Kiritaret club for for a good number of years now and um, been a a key member in those championships that that you've enjoyed alongside her as well. How important was it for the team to win this championship this year in her final season? Uh, This was also Susanne Oyaniemi last season and this were her first championship ever and I think that after everything that what we have been going through this season everyone wanted to win and wanted that Emma and Susanne can enter wonderful careers to win and the championships so I think it was very important to all our teammates and obviously you've just come off the back of of that championship win um, didn't happen last year. Started again, back to the drawing board, but came strong this year. How did it feel when that final whistle blew, and you realised this is the championship in the hundred-year anniversary year as well? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, do I have any <laughs> words for that feeling? But maybe. The first thought was uh, that we really did it <laughs> and it, it it feels amazing and it was uh, it was amazing. <laughs> well, I normally ask everybody um, what's next in their career, but I assume for you it's more championships all the way down. <laughs> um, but uh, Mari, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and I want to say a big congratulations to you and the team for your championship. It was well deserved. Thank you very much. <laughs> and 
After that interview, uh, we'll now take a short break. When we get back, we'll be delving into our awards for 2022. Okay, so welcome back. I've avoided the temptation of wearing my uh, tuxedo again this year, um, but it's awards season time. Um, starting off with our disappointment of the year, get the bad news out of the way first. Um, there was a couple of um, nominations we'd selected this year. Gungun Pai's poor and disappointing season. Lots of things went wrong for them, and of course they ended up being relegated. KPL's second half of the season, they just seemed to drop off, and then of course went out in the first round of the playoffs. The general attitude of some game managers in games coming to the fore, obviously in particular we're talking about uh, Kempele men's team and uh, Mansa's women's team. And then the lack of uh, any kind of coordinated celebration for the 100-year anniversary? Uh, it's easy for me. I, first, I thought that this would be a hard one, but it's the last one. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. There was a video that came out, like, last week. But before that, who outside of the game knew anything about Pesapalo turning 100 years? And I I have no single person to blame about that. But all I know is that nobody knew about it. So so it's like they're not gonna turn hundred years again. So that's like well and yeah, we're not gonna be doing this podcast when they turn two hundred years. I, I I don't <laughs> think so. Uh, well but not the wo- so not the way I eat. <laughs> yeah. So that was like Yeah, so that was a that was such a clean strike in being ejected from the game and whatnot. I mean, yeah, I'm just so freaking disappointed. And yeah, like, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's been one of these things that the league had been saying for a couple of years now. They were, they had this strategy and they were going to build up and there was this whole plan that they were going to come up with and they were going to really make something of this, like you say the sport is only going to turn 100 once and it was going to be a big thing they were going to really open the game up to uh, the public really you know just really kind of market the thing and yet I, it sort of seemed to get less and less important as the season went on and by the end of it practically nobody was talking about it if anybody even in the in the sport so i thought that was a real Disappointment, a missed opportunity. Um, when I was at um, Italanzi, I picked up a 100-year um, celebratory baseball cap. Um, but it just says 100 years. It doesn't say what it's 100 years off. <laughs> so even some of the merchandise, you're left thinking, well, you know, they really, they really could have been um, a bit better with that. But there we go. Uh, Ron, do you agree with that uh, 
I do agree. I think that one of the things that three of us all have, I think somebody talked for a while about, we're all fans of other sports. And and we know like how other sports are cleaning Pistapolo's clock in terms of marketing, marketability, um, you know, sharing your brands, putting your people in front. They're doing a little bit better about the people piece, but the other parts are not great. And this was definitely a missed opportunity. There's just no other way to put it. It was truly disappointing. Obviously, you know, I go on the record as saying as a big fan of having done something Helsinki or something like that would have been truly a great way to um, to celebrate the game in a, in a wider with a wider audience, people able to see the game. Um, but but that didn't happen. And and I so I'm just hoping that the collective feeling of this might prompt some kind of change. But yeah, I think by far my biggest disappointment as well. So moving on from disappointment to excitement, what was the most exciting moment of the year? Um, five nominations for this. Uh, the men's final uh, of Impley's 3-0 win. Um, Antilla's three home run game on the 11th of July. The rather crazy um, victory um, in Kovala for Patioki. Uh, on the 22nd of July, one I was actually there for, um, Siri Escola breaking that record during the regular season, and then uh, Lotova Valainen's three-run home run game as well. So, um, yeah, for the women's, uh, the Siri Escola thing stands out for yeah. me. There's like, there's definitely the one that I would pick, and. Uh, if I can like choose freely, uh, I would say that the most uh, the thing that will like stay long in my in my memory was the the game that I attended where uh, Taco won the series against KPL and just yeah. seeing seeing that like atmosphere that how much it started to mean for that community again and they have like audiences of 4,000 people there and they were actually like feeling that this is important for us not just not just being glory hunters over there so that was that was my moment for men's and serious come up for women for women well, I think I'd probably share uh, you thoughts on that uh, of course i did enjoy the very strange victory that patioki had that very huge swing back and forth in the, in the first yak so um it was incredible to watch um but for me obviously siri escola's record-breaking season what a what a fantastic season that she's had and that was really exciting to just watch it grow throughout the season and then to, to break that 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 marker um, but yeah, like you say, um, Huinka have done an incredible job this year. The fans have been flocking back uh, to Piccola and it's really good to see the community r- reviving their love for that club and wanting to go and watch the team, even if they are going to lose. And they do <laughs> do still lose quite quite regularly. But their style of play, the way they've been going out there, the the options that they've had this year have been fantastic and it's it's really great to see uh, ron do you have any comments on uh on the pick Serie Escola's season 
plus one on Syriascola. Nothing more to say about that. That hasn't already been said. I think what an astounding year and great for the women's game. Um, maybe Mansell win next year now that Corka's gone, but chances are not really. Uh, on the men's side, actually, I'm going to go off script and say that um, that Timo Nerio falling into the falling into Sarkenta, uh, falling into uh, the river in um, Grinvimpoli. That uh, was my my memorable moment of the season, just because the buzz the buzz that that got was I mean, obviously it was comedic buzz, but still the buzz that that got around the world in the U.S. specifically, North America specifically, in the baseball community was pretty fun. Um, glad he's okay, um, but yeah, yeah, that that for me was for sure the wildest memory of the season. Well, it was it was a pretty. Uh funny to watch and, and great to see of course he was fine but the thing that really made it was the kind of back and forth in the banter that um Timo Normio had with um the the community as well um I think they sent him a swimming lessons or something like that <laughs> swim club yeah swim club shirts that we we now sell, we now sell the team store um that you can buy your own swim club shirt so yeah it's definitely a thing it's pretty great <laughs> Um, so moving on then to the manager of the year in the uh, men's super bases. Um The nominees, of course, uh, Tommy Niskanen, who um, steered Vimpli to victory. Uh, Andy Ulisaunamaki for his uh, shuffling of uh, a ragtag Tahko team and bringing them to the brink um, of the medal. Um, Miko Huotari uh, from... Yonsu, who uh, routed uh, Sotokamo in the first round. And this is my pick, and I'm going to have to explain it. Yussi Parvi from Yumiyasit. I have to explain this because there were some major problems with this club. And there were some real key players missing in the lineup. Um, obviously, using uh, losing Yukopekavanyampa from last year left a, a gaping hole when it comes to scoring runs and with everything against them including the threat of losing the super basis license for next year as well financial problems and so on it was in the back rooms that the game manager said look we've got to get this sorted we've got to steer the ship and we've got to take the destiny into our own hands and they had this huge meeting as um Tero mentioned um, earlier in the interview and for me that that piece of game management probably means more to to that club than than most of the other clubs it would be so that was that was why i've included him in the nominations um i'd probably go for tommy niskanen just because it's been an incredible season though but i wanted to include um you see part of me well it's niskanen hands down like, Ron gave out all the, like, the reasons why. And, uh, and then, Ian, you mentioned the top three. And I think that in the particular order that Josip Barbi, who has done a stellar job, it was my number three. Uh, Antti Lesanamaki was my number two. And, uh, Niskanen, like, was, like I said, hands down, doesn't even cut it. Like he is, he is miles ahead of everybody else. Yeah. Well, I thought it was important to to recognise um, Yossi Parvi, but obviously not. Yeah. 
not a touch on uh, on Tommy's uh, achievements this year. So moving then from the men's to the uh, women's uh, manager of the year, we've uh, got uh, Ante Vidkari, who is a very passionate guy who isn't afraid to show it even when he's not supposed to. Um, from Mansa, uh, Matthias Kitola from Kiritalet, who stepped into the fray um, earlier than he uh, he ought to or was expected to. Um, Jarko Bokala of uh, Pori and uh, Mati Pirinen, again from Roy Uteret, who I, I need to explain why uh, Mati makes it onto the, the nominations. A similar sort of story with um, Yumi Isid, but th- this is a, a game manager who came in at the very close of the season with a team who had no confidence had lost the fight, rock bottom of the table, and all of a sudden, not only do they beat uh, Bertha, but they then have bags of confidence against Lapa Yarvi, who, okay, you know, in a, as an Urka species side, don't have the same quality that um, Roy Hutoret has, but just being able to bring that team together, I think it deserves a mention, if nothing else. Um, for me, um, probably go with uh, Kitola because he stepped into the fray. Like I say, he has inherited this team who were low on sort of confidence and uh, had a lot of challenges ahead of them. And he brought them round to win. Um, Miko. Yeah, he's hey, the he's the only option. Hey, they 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 said before the season that Kidola would come to be the game manager in two thousand and twenty four, and then both of their game managers like got into a big turmoil and whatnot. And like Makurka said, like that. Many, not many teams in the history, like in recent history, have had to go through all of that that they did, and to come in as a like twenty six year old guy and do all that and get the confidence, like I get the team behind him and work together and get like old players to also join the coaching team and uh, just being this new wave analytics guy to bring it like to bring in the gold medal that was like also for me hands down uh the only thing that i hold against him was that he rejected my trade proposal on nfl fantasy football uh, two days ago so and so that's why i'm hesitating a bit but the man is a Cincinnati Bengals fan, so who knows? I, yeah. But anyway, is my pick. <laughs> that was great. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm inclined to take your your wild pick and go with Roy, who's manager, just because Helsinki being in the Super Pacers is good, and the fact that they did they had to go through a gauntlet to stay up. I did not think they were staying up. I thought they were toast. And the fact that he got that team as a young team. Obviously, two of the best players in the game on that team that are just hiding out in Helsinki, but 
the sisters, but but I, I was impressed that they made it through that gauntlet and and were able to you know they had some big wins down their stretch. They beat they beat Virkia at home, um, which is a good three points they needed. And so I thought that to steer them to that um, through through the relegation battle to stay up for another year to me for sure um, was super impressive. Because I guess I didn't if I didn't think they could do it. I, and so yeah, that's my vote. So moving from managers to pitchers of the year. Uh, the uh, Pitchers of the Year nominations for the men's uh, are Arpo Komalainen from Sotkamo, Temu Kinnanen from Vimpoli, Juha Pultimaki from Mansa, and Vili Valiaho from Joensu. Each of them had a, a pretty decent uh, season. I, I like Arpo's uh, approaching games. He's a really accomplished pitcher, even for his young age. Um, and it was good to see uh, Temo Kinnanen playing on a team that could match his skills in terms of the defence that they could could offer as well. Um, for me, I'd probably go with uh, with Arpo, even though they uh, sort of lost in the first round in the playoffs. Um, Miko? Yeah, I, I was a bit surprised that you went with him because I, I have a turn... I have used the term before, but for me, Demo Kinnonen showed this year that he is an excellent game manager and uh, I would say, I would use the term facilitator. Like, he he fits into the puzzle really well and he was scouted thoroughly and he had exactly the strengths that that team needed. And if he had any weaknesses, they actually, like... Uh, they as a team thought that whole process so that the other team couldn't exploit those weaknesses that that well and uh, thus I I mean I would he would be right up there and he may win it uh, because the championship winning team or somebody close by normally does but if we are looking at the most accomplished like uh Pitcher, uh, Apple. Apple is just like about twenty, but I, I think that he is the most accomplished pitcher. If we take a look of all his like athletic traits and like a modern approach to the game, so that like uh, I'm, I'm speaking about the fact that he he has all the qualities, but he also like. Uh, uh, goes to um, he wants to improve his like mental uh, like capacity and ability to handle different situations by seeing like uh, uh, speaking about these things with uh, like a professional uh, on a weekly basis and not like not like there was a crisis but he uses like his academy psychologists to go through like different scenarios that he can get better so that's like i love that kind of an approach to uh, from a young guy uh, ron your thoughts so my vote is q and by far i did not expect that um he would have the impact that he would have in Vimpoli. it never occurred to me he would she would level up to that degree and like to like to meet point like he came in and really did establish himself as one of the best pitchers in the game. 
Um, no, he doesn't, does not have a podcast with, um, with um, you know, like, like you know, Pudumaki does, but he just gets on the field and he made things happen. And he took that team and, and, and Vimpoli's always had a guy that comes in, a veteran who's able to come in and help that team move forward. And he did what he did this season is astounding, but just, they don't win a championship without him. Forget winning yeah. dominantly. It doesn't happen this year without him. It doesn't happen, period. So my vote for sure. So moving from the uh, picture of the year in the men's uh, to now the picture of the year from the women's Super Pisces, um, we have uh, Mari Monsonen from Kiritaret, Venla Tanhoa from Varsa. We also have uh, Salinen from uh, Mansa and Ritteri from uh, Pori. Um, Miko, for me, it's um, Mari Monsonen again. I think we chose her last year as well. Um, incredible performance. And for me, it was the the way in which Kiritere held Mainz's offence to so few runs compared to what they were capable of um, that, that really stood out for me. So uh, Murray gets my vote. By far. I mean, no, there's no conversation to be had here. You know, she was uh, head and shoulders above the rest. Uh, last year, I gave my vote to Minto Veteranda, who essentially won that. But uh, this year, there will be no competition, and Monsignor will win it, and rightful, rightfully so. Uh, she's a proven vin- winner, and... Uh, Played an excellent season. So moving on then from pitchers of the year to the most valuable player, the MVP. Um, last year I opened this up to um, a public vote on Twitter and Facebook. It gave us some very interesting results, but perhaps not ones that we'd uh, go for. Very sadly, I haven't had uh, much time to um, set up those votes this year either. Um for the men's, we've got Yuka uh, Pekavaniompa from Vimpoli, Yuhaniemi from uh, Tarko, Patrick Vartama from KPL, and uh, Elmeri Antila from Vimpoli as well. Uh, for me, there can only be one name, and it's Yuka Becker. I mean, <laughs> he's been great in other years, but this year was exceptionally special because it led him to that much-needed and much-deserved championship as well. Um, Miko, your thoughts? I disagree because uh, there's a, the playoffs MVP is like a separate thing. He was excellent this season too, but they they kind of split the runs with Jan Makela too, which is like their which is what they do, that they just, like, score the runs on aggregate, and that's why they have two superstars over there. But also, like like you said, also for me, there can only be one name, and that's Elmer Antila, who is the best player in the game. And uh, I, I, I will... <laughs> I, I can make a bet that... He will win it. He should win it. And if he doesn't win it, I will go to the damn board and just make them like count the votes again and do something. <laughs> but but yeah, 
he needs to win it. No, no offense to Kapeka, who's like, and yeah, yeah. But for me, Elmer. Well, the the award's going to somebody in Vimpoli. Um, I think we'll probably um... <sighs> see. I thinking now, I probably would edge Elmer in in the, in that one. I mean, the three run home run game was in, an incredible thing to watch. Especially after um, Johan Niemi uh, basically won the first Yaksa with that uh, uh, last uh, hit in the in the uh, Yaksa, so yeah, <laughs> I'll probably bow to your knowledge, Miko, as I as I should, to be honest. But uh, yeah, there we go. So moving on to our final award, then of course it's the MVP for the uh, women's uh, Serie Escola from Mansa. Susanna Boister from Pori, who um, retires now at the end of this season. Saga Angelica Raudasoya uh, from Mansa and Yanitha uh, Lepista. Um, with a year that Ceres had, could you give it to anybody else, Miko? Yeah, it's funny that I also was kind of thinking about a shortlist. Uh, and uh, there's not a single Kiritare player in there. Like, there just isn't. And uh, for for me, if uh, <clears throat> but then then I just, just like when I really thought about it, it Sirayaskonga will win it, I think. And uh, but I would also raise uh, Mari Montinen to the like to at least bring her to the equation even though she doesn't have a big role like as a as a hitter at bat but but yeah she played an excellent season and uh, was the winning he ended up uh, she ended up as the champion so uh after the season she had uh, but yeah Escola broke all the records and she didn't exactly like slow down in the playoffs. So, so yeah, it's she will get it. Yeah. So that's the end of our awards for yet another year. And in fact, an end to our podcast and our season for this year as well. Um, Miko, it's been an incredible um, season yet again. And I've, uh, I've enjoyed making this podcast as I have um, the the two of the years that we've done it as well. Um, so before we we sign off, I want to say a big thank you uh, to everybody who's taken part in the podcast this year. Everybody who I've interviewed, taken the they've taken the time to listen to me <laughs> ask some ridiculous questions sometimes um, in English, and um, they've all been incredible and really lovely people. So I just want to thank every single person uh, who's made this possible. So thank you to everyone. Um, if you, the listener, and I want to thank you as well for uh, sticking with us through this season, um, your support is uh, truly appreciated. Um, but before we actually do sign off, um, Miko, if you had any particular personal favourite moment from the season, rather than the games or things himself? 
Well, not that I can, like, recall it right now. Uh, but, but just like you said, that it's, it's been, every season is different, but this is a, yeah, it's been, it's been a funny year. It's been, there's been a lot happening and lots of positive stuff happening, lots of negative stuff happening. And, uh, for, yeah, personal, personally, for me, it's been like, uh, learning something new and taking a new angle and approach to the, to the game and, uh, like getting more and more into the, analytics of the game which i will be doing in the future too but but actually that's one thing that i would have honestly brought up uh, without you saying it was that uh, the fact that these people who are within the game are coming to your interviews and doing that stuff and we can get that kind of like message out that we do have we do we do have super nice people within the game who are educated they are opinionated like uh, uh, good good people in general who are like taking care of their stuff and they can do interviews in their second language or, or third language in some like situations but that's that's a big step forward and uh, that's also if we ever want to make it anything like internationally and I don't mean like taking over the world but it's like every everything every single interview that you do is a step forward and that's why like I think it's also a big thank you to you because I, I don't think you get that a lot so so that's there's one thing that you do a lot of work for this whole podcast and uh, those interviews and uh, yeah, I just uh, every person that comes to read your text and uh, listen to this podcast, I really hope that they understand that how much effort you put into this and the, the quality of the content because it it is actually like top notch. So uh, I'm I'm super happy that th this is happening, and obviously I'm also happy to like be a part of this with you guys. Well, thank you very much for that uh, incredible review, uh, Miko. Um, I would like to to just share a moment that that I've had from this year that was incredibly important to me. Very very. Uh, good moment um when i was over in finland earlier this year i went and did uh, some training down at uh, uh ground with the the amateur team there and um me and my dad both tried out you know having a go pitching hitting and fielding and, and all those things and that was an incredible moment for me because it's been a, a good number of years since i played cricket alongside my dad um, he, I mean, he still plays now. I'm unfortunately far too busy for that. But it was it was great to actually get out there and and really experience the game in a different way. So I thoroughly enjoyed that. And do you know what? Um, the other day when I was um, 
at my mum and dad's house. Um, he, we had a tennis ball <laughs> and a stick, <laughs> and he just threw it up in the air, and I was just like, "Yeah, you know, he's he's caught the the bug a little bit here." Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was really really pleased with that. So that's my that's moment cool. of the year. That's my little yeah, that's personal cool. moment of the year. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really cool. I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's a lovely thing that you two got to have some like experiences like that in Finland. And uh, yeah, I mean, the yeah sounds sounds really good. Uh, yeah, you're both terrific people. So I I think that catching that bug is like only good for you two and also in general for this for the sport and hope to see you again in Finland. Well, that'll just about do it as I say. So if you have enjoyed what you've heard, and I do hope you have, then please like or subscribe to the podcast. Heck even leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. And if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at superpesisr or on Facebook. Um, you'll also see me writing from time to time uh, for the Poltolina website and on Hamina's website. Um, fairly recently announced that I'd be uh, uh, signed up for assisting them uh, next year as well. And of course, there will be a number of articles coming up very shortly on the blog as I review every single team in detail. Um, but that's it. Um, thank you, everybody. It's been a great season. Uh, Miko, thank you for joining me. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, hope that we can continue uh, next year. And I also want to say a big thank you to Ron Bronson. Um, thank you for everything this season. It's been great uh, talking Pesapalo with you. And um, yeah. Always a pleasure to see you both. Sorry, I've been out of been out of pocket this year, but but super excited to still be a part of this. And and thanks for all you both do for elevating this game outside of Finland. Yeah, love having you here, and uh, all the best. And thank you from me, Ian Elbe. We'll see you soon. Hidden far